Hey everyone and welcome back to the podcast. This is Miles on the Grid and I'm your host Miles. In today's episode we're going to look at what did we learn from both the Spanish and the Monaco Grand Prix. So let's get straight into it. Firstly, um, we realised that this title race or this championship race as it stands will go down to the wire, where it may have seemed like whatever Red Bull and Max Verstappen were throwing at Lewis, that Lewis and Mercedes had an answer for them. However, with Lewis winning in Spain and Max winning in Monaco, the pundits and fans' dreams are quite are quite true. For, for 2021, we really wanted to see a title battle where following testing, Red Bull would take the lead of the championship at certain points and then Mercedes would fight back and then maybe a different manufacturer like Ferrari or McLaren would get in the mix just to disturb it for a couple of races and then the, the championship would, ed, would ebb and flow and go, go from there. What we've seen is that we do have a championship battle, but we don't know who's going to come out on top. We've seen Mercedes be great at tracks that they've dominated in years such as Spain. We've seen Max uh, take the win in Imola after pushing Lewis wide at the start, which was a fantastic win for him. We've also seen Portugal, where Lewis was able just to nurse those tyres and really uh, extract maximum performance, whilst Max and Valtteri seem to slip up a bit. So I personally don't know who's going to win. I, I have a feeling that by the end of the year, it still will be Lewis, just due to his experience and his knowledge around uh, racecraft. But as we've seen, Max isn't prepared to let Lewis just dominate another season. So here's hoping that it goes right down to Abu Dhabi and, and right down to the last point. What we also saw is that both Lewis and Max are capable of making mistakes. So a lot was said by Christian Horner, the, the Red Bull team principal, about Lewis's off into the barriers at Emola. And he kept on pointing out over the last couple of weeks the fact that Lewis was extremely lucky. He had the... Um, the safety car come out because of George Russell and Valtteri Bottas' crash. But, you know, we, we saw the championship change a, a couple of weeks ago in Barcelona. Mercedes picked a great strategy, which allowed Lewis to come out with fresh tyres and close a 22-second gap on Max, who had burnt through his tyres. And following this, a war of words, or many war of words, had begun in the press. So Lewis and Toto started making digs throughout press conferences and media appearances. Uh, referencing the fact that Red Bull were making more mistakes on a consistent basis. Uh, this included things like track limits and, and tyre wear, and the fact that the Mercedes was better at managing its tyres overall. Um, Lewis kept on mentioning that the reason why they're winning the championship, despite uh, the fact that they shouldn't be, was due to the mistakes that Red Bull were making. Now, personally, I didn't see the need for it, because, you know, this Mercedes... Um, mantra of we lose and race as one. Mercedes could have very easily, very, very easily lost to the Portuguese. Sorry, lost to the uh, Spanish Grand Prix. If Max was better at conserving his tyres, which unfortunately he and both the car weren't were great in doing, that could have been a Max domination win. So I, I thought it was a bit unnecessary. And then we, we saw that this continued into Monaco, where once Max won, he responded by saying he does his talking on the track. And then Helmut Marko, the chief advisor for Red Bull, came up with a few comments um, talking about the fact that Mercedes also wanted to protest uh, the, the flexible uh, rear wing that Lewis and, and Toto had once again referenced. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a, a necessary spat of words which are going on at the moment. And I don't know whether it's been done in order to throw people off and try and get in their heads within the championship. We, we've seen that that can have an effect on Lewis. That's what happened with Nico Rosberg in 2016. Even up, even before that, like 2015, but it, it just didn't seem to go in Nico's favour that year. Um, 
And it's important to note, Damon Hill mentioned something on a recent podcast. He, he said that although Lewis says that he doesn't do mind games, he can be prone to the occasional comment, which is done to disturb another driver. Now, maybe it's a sign of a championship hotting up. You know, maybe it's a sign of Max getting into Lewis's head or Lewis understanding that this is his greatest challenge in the last two, three years since Ferrari in 2017 or 18. I don't know. But I, what I do know is we've got 17 races left of the season, COVID permitting, and I think it's going to be a spicy one. Another person who I wanted to highlight or something that I wanted to highlight is Valtteri Bottas. Now, a lot of you may think I just pile on Bottas. I don't. I think Bottas is a great driver and his one lap pace is phenomenal. The reason I say that is because he's consistently been within tenths or even small hundredths to Lewis or even Max uh, for pole position uh, over the last few years. Charles Leclerc as well and, and, and Sebastian Vettel when they were doing uh, their time at Ferrari together. Bottas is one of those drivers who perplexes me and I say that nicely because he has all of the tools, he has all of the attributes and I can relate to that in, in, in some respects but he has all the tools and all the attributes but some days he just doesn't seem to either have the luck or, or the ability to hook up his race the way that he would intend. He's close in qualifying but then Lewis takes over in the race. He's close in qualifying and then Max leads the race or Leclerc or even signs at one point when he overtook him in last year's Portuguese Grand Prix. So it's it's a really confusing proposition for, for Bottas. And as nice of a guy as he is, I feel that he might find himself out of a Mercedes seat the next year. Reason being, although he's putting in respectable performances this year, you know, a third place in Spain and a third place starting grid in, uh, in Monaco is nothing to be sniffed at. We saw Bottas refuse to be a team player in Spain and let Lewis through. For me... I was kind of happy to see Bottas fight in his own race. You know, Lewis, as great as he is and as much as he's my favourite driver, he doesn't have the right to just force someone to move aside. And in his own words, he even said he didn't ask for that or wasn't aware of it and did his overtake as, as usual on the track. Now, Toto Wolff, the Mercedes team principal, was notably unhappy with this, and you could see it in a few, in a few pitches after the race as well. Uh, and coupled with... Bottas's regular bad luck, which has followed him ever since uh, the Nürburgring last year, when his engine froze, uh, to Sakir Grand Prix last year when they put the wrong tyres on him, to uh, multiple pit stops going wrong, including this one at Monaco, where the wheel nuts uh, seem to machine itself onto onto the wheel and refuse to come off. I think it's hard to see him being at Mercedes, or, or dare I say even wanting to be at Mercedes next year. What What incentive is there for him? We, we know that he was close to walking away in 2018, and we also saw him, him mention that in Drive to Survive as well. Why would he want to stay in a team where he's obviously going to be the number two? There's definitely going to be a push towards bringing in someone like Russell or Ocon, um, and before his new contract, I thought Lando Norris would be in the mix as well. So, yeah, I, I personally can't see it, and it really does depend upon what Bottas wants to do with his career. He, he can be a competitor and continue to go to somewhere like maybe even Red Bull or Aston Martin and continue to put it on the podium or, or put his car near the podium. But, yeah, I, I feel that this mix of bad luck as well as um, performance is, is really putting him in a bad spot. So here's hoping he can turn it around and let's see what happens. Another person who impressed me or, or gave me some learning points over the last two Grand Prix is Charles Leclerc. Now, in my opinion, he is the real deal. I've been saying this ever since uh, F2, but in my opinion, he might have the best one lap pace in F1 right now. 
So by consistently putting the Ferrari into good positions, such as P4 at Spain, and and then putting it on pole, surprisingly, before crashing at Monaco, um, with Ferrari's somewhat resurgence, I'm keen to see how he progresses. Now, that's not to say that he's become de facto team lead, because Carlos Sainz is also impressive. You know, he managed to put it on, or put his Ferrari in P2 at Monaco, despite um, despite Leclerc's crash, which is nothing to be sniffed at. I think Charles Leclerc, if he can avoid some of the silly mistakes which he's made, such as at um, the Bahrain Grand Prix last year, and a few other places, such as, I think it was Austria in, in 2020, where him and Seb Vettel had a collision with Leclerc coming up the inside on, like, turn one or turn two, yeah, I, I think Leclerc can be the real deal, and I'm expecting many more podiums and, and many more race wins from him in the future. Lando Norris. So, in my opinion, Lando is McLaren's new team leader. So, everyone, including myself, and I'm a massive Daniel Ricciardo fan, thought that Danny Rick would come in as a race winner. You know, he's won seven races, he's had a few pole positions and dominate. Um, but that hasn't necessarily been the case. Whilst Daniel Ricciardo leads the qualifying battle. Monaco was his worst performance yet. Um, and it ended up with him actually being lapped by Norris when he was... <laughs> yeah, it, that, that was tough to watch as, as a Ricciardo fan, but it just shows how much he's struggling with that current McLaren car. Or whether he's actually lost a step. And I, I hate to say that, but for him to be in a position of 12th position... For him to be in 12th position, basically, at a track that he loves at Monaco, it must have been really, really painful. And then for Orlando to pass him uh, as well and lap him effectively. But yeah, that was brutal. So let's see what, what Daniel Ricciardo does. But it's obvious. It's very obvious that Norris is the new team lead and well-deserved. He's had brilliant races this year. He's almost always been uh, near the top half of the grid and, and been in the points. So I, I think that's a synergy uh, made for McLaren. And the fact that they've tied him down to a new deal or a longer-term deal um, which Norris himself asked for, I think is brilliant for, for him and for the team. So hopefully he can continue doing a great job. And lastly, the real Esteban Ocon is showing up. It's well known that Ocon is backed by Mercedes, and with that, there often comes certain hype. Um, does anyone remember Pascal Verlein or even um, uh, Stoffel Van Dorn? Now, Van Dorn wasn't necessarily backed by Merck the whole way, but there were conversations that he'd, he'd helped test in their simulator. Um, but with with Ocon, you know, he, he came with certain hype, and he did have a year out where he unfortunately found himself outside of the seat because we had um, Nico Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo and Vireno, and then Hulk left, and then Esteban Ocon got the opportunity to come back into, into F1. And he didn't exactly set the world alight with his performances last year. Um, he struggled in comparison to Ricardo, but then started to grow uh, as the season went on, ending up with a, a nice P2 of the Zakir Grand Prix as well, which I thought was quite well-deserved. He, he he followed the race quite closely, even if there were uh, mitigating circumstances. But now, this season, although many expected him to be outfoxed by his more experienced teammate, Fernando Alonso, double world champion coming back into the sport, expecting to dominate and technically re-establish himself as one of the greatest drivers of all time. He hasn't done that. And Ocon has really taken the fight to him. Um, by scoring back-to-back points with even a Q3 entry as well in qualifying, Ocon is displaying the talent that has been the running for Mercedes and an Alpine seat for, for 2022. Um, much is known of the fact that Pierre Gasly is potentially eyeing up a 
an Alpen seat as well, given his French connection uh, and his current form. But Ocon is doing everything in his power to not only extract maximum performance out of a car uh, and get a couple of points per, per weekend, but to, to keep that sort of balance and make sure that if Gasly is to come, it is, it's going to be with a very difficult fight. So those are my conclusions and my, um, dare I say, my, my sort of recaps from uh, the, the Spanish and the Monaco Grand Prix. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please do give us a subscribe on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, that's we're now known, and also on Spotify. Give us a follow, and I will see you in the next one. Take care.